couple, about a month ago, I read a study, and it wasn't really a study, it was an informal uh, thing that Tom uh, Rayner did. Tom Rayner works for Lifeway, the educational arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he did an informal thing, I think through Twitter, to be honest with you, asking people about what he calls the stand and greet time. That's the time uh, where uh, I would call meet and greet, where in our church we're already standing and and uh, we're led to greet one another, and so you move around, you shake hands, say hi to people. And so anyway, he did a, an informal study on that and found that a lot of guests, a lot of uh, non-church members just really didn't like the, this time, uh, whether they were uh, germaphobic or introverted or whatever. So he put out this informal study on his blog, and as happens on the Internet, it went viral. Because there was such a polarization on thinking about that meeting and greeting time. Because there was a backlash of people saying, uh, that, that, well, there was people that agreed and said, yeah, that's horrible, I can't stand that. And then there was a backlash of, hey, this is great, we, are, we get compliments on that, this is awesome. And it was interesting. It was just interesting to read, one, because we do that, and two, just to read these. Now, I had certain opinions about it when I first read it. But having done this study on greeting one another with a holy kiss, I have uh, even stronger opinions about that now. And so I think this lesson will help you uh, to understand what we do, whether we continue to do that particular practice. We'll see. That's nothing that has to be done. <coughs> but it was interesting. As I read through the comp, because I mean we're talking about like 250 comments off of off of uh, 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 off of uh, this blog statement. As you read through the comments, very little people. It was basically preferences. It was opinions. I like it. I don't like it. I love it. I can't stand it. And it was interesting because as we've studied, or as I've studied, and we're going to show you uh, today that this command to greet one another with a holy kiss really relates to that. Not a lot of people had Scripture. There was a lot of passion, but not a lot of Scripture in what was being done. So here's what I, what I saw from that study, and I think uh, from just reading what this command is, greet one another with a holy kiss, is we need to bridge the cultural divide uh, to greet one another. There's a cultural divide between this statement. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, that's a first century culture. That's a, a Middle Eastern culture. And now we're here in American 21st century. There's a divide between that. We need to bridge that cultural divide in order to learn to greet one another. And so at the top of your notes, I have a question that basically, this is the main idea of this lesson. This is the question that we want to answer today, and it's this. How do we always abound? in greeting one another in a manner that is both biblically sound and culturally relevant. How do we obey this command in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 16? If you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 16, please do so. How do we always abound in greeting one another in a manner that's biblically sound and culturally relevant? Well, <coughs> A few weeks back, I decided, well, I'm just going to look at all these passages because I know this shows up in more than one place. It's more than just 1 Corinthians 16 and verse, um, verse 20. 
and so what I found was, if we're going to answer that question, we need to look at five passages that call us to greet one another with a holy kiss, or as Peter calls it, the kiss of love. So you there in your chart, you have the single verses. So in Romans 6, 16, or 16, 16, Paul says this, greet one another with a holy kiss, all the churches of Christ greet you. But to study that verse, to study that command, you've got to look at verses 16 through 18. Then in 1 Corinthians 16.20, the chapter we're studying, all the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. But that's in a section or a passage of verses 19 through 24. Then in 2 Corinthians 13.12, the next letter he writes them. Again, he ends the letter. Greet one another with a holy kiss. But that's found in verses 11 through 14. There's a context of that command. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.26, Paul again says, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. This time, instead of saying greet one another, he says greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. But again, that's found in verses 23 through 28. And then Peter is the one uh, the one non-Paul greeting. In 1 Peter 5.14, he says this, greet one another with the kiss of love, peace, to all of you who are in Christ. But again, it happens in a context of 10 through 14. Well, in studying those five passages and in looking at the context of all those commands, I found that there are seven universal aspects in these five passages that help us greet one another that is both in a way that is both biblical and cultural. So what we're going to do this morning is look at seven universal aspects. Because listen, when we I, I said this before, when we hear this command, we immediately think, that's cultural, and we walk away from it. And we just, you know, we just, oh, well, holy kiss, we make a joke, and we forget about it. But in this context, we're going to see, and in these verses, there's seven universal aspects. And listen, the whole idea of these lessons and taking this time in studying about greeting one another with a holy kiss is so that we build biblical community within our church, and within our lives. So let's take a look at these, and I think they're going to be an encouragement to you. I know that they have been and are in my life. Well, here's the first universal aspect of this command. It is a required expression. It is a required expression. Now, why do I say that? It is a required expression. And it's really very simple. Every time you see... In all five of these passages where it says greet, that's a command. It's an imperative verb. It's a command. Greeting one another as we gather to worship is not an option. So we don't drive up here to church as we come to gather to church, and we don't sit in our car before we come in and say, I wonder if I'm going to greet anybody today. Oh, I wonder if I want to do that. No, it's not an option. It's an issue of obedience to a clear command in the Bible. In fact, stated five times. It's not a preference. It's not a personality thing. It's something we put in practice as we obey a clear command given to us in God's Word. Now, here's what I want you to see. And we'll kind of end with the lesson with this as well. The required function is the greeting one another. That's timeless. The command to greet is the function. We are to function as God's people in greeting one another. The form 
is the holy kiss. And that's the cultural part. That can be adapted to any cultural expression that is holy in the sight of God. The fulfillment of this command can take place in a variety of ways. So the function is, I must, the required thing is, I must greet people. I must greet the people of God when we gather. The form is cultural, but the fulfillment of it can come in a variety of ways. So, if you've already greeted someone this morning, then you have begun to obey this command. Now, if we have a legalistic heart, we're going to say, I greeted one person, I'm done. Okay, there, got that knocked off. You know, I said hi, you know. And in fact, if with our greeters at the door, so if you saw, you know, well, he greeted me, that was easy. He took the initiative, I greeted him. I'm done with that. Well, no, you've just begun to obey that command. And of course, the meet and greet time during our worship service, service functions as a corporate time of obeying this required command. So here's the point. There's various forms we can use to fulfill this function, but it's a required expression of kinship, family of God, fellowship, love for one another, and worship of God among His people when we gather. So the first thing, it's a required expression. The second thing that is universal about this command is it's an inclusive, an inclusive expression. Inclusive. It's an inclusive expression. We see that when it says, greet one another. Greet one another. Now, four of the five instances include this phrase, one another. But look at 1 Thessalonians 5.26 there on your chart. Even though it doesn't say one another, what does it say in place of one another? All. Greet all the brethren. So, no matter what word is used, the reflective, the interactive one another is a powerful motion. You know, I greet you, you greet me, we all greet everybody, everything. You know, it sounds like a song. But, the all gets the point. It's inclusive. Now, what does inclusive mean? Well, it means everyone is included. Just like exclusive means... Some people are excluded. So, when this is a, an inclusive expression, it means we greet one another as a command that includes everyone who is a believer and has gathered together to worship. Greeting one another is not just for the greeters and ushers. Aren't they doing a great job? Amen. Aren't they? Who's our greeters in here? They're greeters in here. Yeah, yeah, let's give them a hand. Great hand. Hey, it's wonderful. It's, it's the simplest of things. What you guys do to come early has value. Keep doing it. But it's not just a thing some people volunteer to do. It includes all of us. It's not just for the pastors and leaders. Hey, that's what they get paid to do. Hey, you ought to be greeting me, Chris. That's what you're here to do. But it's not just for the leaders. It's not just for the extroverted. Or the outgoing. Well, see, I greet, but I'm, I'm introverted. That's just not me. It's not just for the happy people or the morning people, right? Right? Is, is there even a happy morning person in this room? Randy! Where's Randy? Yeah. All right, there, Chad. Okay, we got two. Okay, well, it's not just for them, okay? It doesn't say greet one another if you're a morning person. It says... It's not just for some people. Basically, what I've done is I've gone through all the excuses we use for not greeting. Right? Well, that's not me. I'm not a morning person. 
I'm not a greeter or an usher. I'm not any of those things. No, it incl- it's inclusive. Greet one another. It includes everybody. Greeting one another means this. you Greeting male and female. Young and old. You can greet the, the youngest of child that comes. We have kids that come through going to promise kids. You ought to greet those kids. Say hi to them. The little boy today was crying today. And uh, I, I figured I'd scare him more if I took time to figure out why, but I just said hi to him. And, and other times he's come in, it's kind of a pattern. Other times he's come in crying and I've gotten him directed to a lady to warm him up and, and help him and take care of him. We greet rich and poor. We greet black and white and brown and yellow and every skin color in between. We greet Republicans and Democrats and independents. Listen, all of those things are social barriers in the world that if we're not careful, we will begin to form cliques and just greet within those people. We'll hibernate in our specific places. Uh, if you think about yourself, you kind of congregate in certain places in this room. And if you're not careful, you'll only be greeting the same people every, every morning. You've got to move. You've got to move around. You've got to get out of places that bind you up. It means greeting people that are like me and I like and greeting people that are unlike me and I might not like that much. Hey, you know, it's all right not to like everybody equally, but it's not all right not to greet one another in the Lord. Amen? Okay, you don't, this isn't about being everybody, you know, if you think, oh, this means I got to be everybody's best friend. No, that's not what it's like. But hey, you don't get the privilege of saying, hey, I just want to say hi to people I like and that are like me. No, we need to say hi to people that are unlike me and that I may not like that much. It means greeting people that don't greet us first or don't greet us at all. Now, I couldn't determine from my study whether the early church reserved the holy kiss for just male-to-male and female-to-female interaction. But here, because later in the church, we're going to see, later the church did that. That the holy kiss, the literally cheek-to-cheek, was just female-to-female, male-to-male. You can understand why that eventually happened. But here's the point. It doesn't matter what I could find in the history books. What I know from the holy book is that it says, greet one another, and it isn't limited by anything. Listen. The wording in all five passages points to the truth that in Christ, salvation has come to all people without reference to their gender, their ethnicity, or their social standing. Listen again to Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no, there is no female and fem- male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that applies to salvation. It doesn't apply to the fact that there aren't gender roles in the church and in the home. It just means this. Salvation has come to China as much as it has to Nigeria, as much as it has to the Philippines, as much as it has to Hong Kong. And the fact is, when all those nations and all those people come into our church, we are to greet one another. We are to greet one another inclusively. We don't get, listen, we don't get to divide the body of Christ into cliques where we only greet the people we like the most or are the most like us. Well, here's the third characteristic. The universal aspect of this command is that it's a concrete expression. It's a concrete expression. (coughs) 
<laughs> may be a better word for that, but that's how I thought about it. It's a concrete. Greet one another with a kiss. That's fairly concrete. That's very, it's tactile. It's, it's physical, right? Now, again, we'll get to whether we have to literally do a kiss, but the point is, it's physical. Whatever, listen, whatever the cultural application is, the bottom line is this. The greeting that is commanded here involved physical contact that would be appropriate between family members and close friends. And here's the point. Physical touch is so important in communicating acceptance and breaking down false social barriers. It is important. Listen, the, the two things that will communicate more acceptance than anything else is inviting people, well, let, I'll give you three. Inviting people into your home, eating with them, and touching them. They're, they're powerful means of communication. And if you've been in a place where you've been hurting, and you've been lonely, and you've been isolated, and somebody has reached out and touched you, you know the power behind that. You know the power behind it. Listen, Jesus was a toucher. He touched sinners in ways the rest of the culture deemed unclean and inappropriate. And we as a church ought to be able to do the same. Listen, I thought about this. I just, I just, this is just from my reading of the Gospels. He touched lepers. He touched the blind. He touched the bleeding. He touched the unclean. He touched the unsaved. He touched the sinful. That is powerful stuff. He touched men and he touched women. He touched little children. And that was perhaps the most radical touch in his culture that he ever did was that he touched kids. They said, keep those kids away. No, bring the, let, uh, permit the children to come to me. And he says he brought them onto his lap and he touched them and he blessed them. And in doing so, Jesus was saying to all of them, you're accepted. And I'm willing to cleanse you. And I'm willing to forgive you. And I'm willing to restore you. And I'm willing to welcome you into my circle of fellowship and into my kingdom. That's powerful stuff. All around the world, there are still false and ungodly social barriers that hinder the gospel but are broken down wherever the gospel takes root in a culture and begins to build community. And the most obvious one, and I'm not picking on this nation, but the most obvious one is in India, where you literally have people who are labeled what? Untouchable. The untouchables. The untouchables. And you have a whole caste system that this caste can't relate to this caste. As we had our training down here with Richard Lewis, who's done a lot of training in India, many of his illustrations were about how, uh, how, just how you have to relate in this caste system. Well, the gospel breaks through all of that, and biblical community begins to transform that. Now, sadly, as I talk about touch... We live in a perverse culture, but it's no different than the first century culture of the apostles. There's a reason why they said, greet one another with a holy kiss. So when I'm talking about touch here, there's nothing sexual 
about this kind of concrete touch. There's nothing inappropriate. There's nothing unseemly about this kind of physical greeting. This is the kiss of affection that expresses spiritual kinship, spiritual friendship in Christ in a concrete way. Now, the one I've told this story for some of you that have been around here for a while. Others are new, newer. And, and, and the way I learned this kind of fellowship was a man in our church, a man by the name of Don Meek, that was a longtime member, now lives in Arizona. And he was a businessman, and I was down in seminary at Dallas Theological Seminary in Dallas, Texas. And he would come into town for business, go to his hotel, call me up, take me out for a big old steak dinner, and then we'd go back to his room, and we would just have fellowship. It wasn't really him mentoring me as much, even though he was much older, much longer uh, Christian than me, but it was just a time of really fellowshipping. Of just, I, I don't know what all we, we talked about everything. We talked about theology, we talked about church, we talked about life, we talked about uh, relationships, we talked about all sorts of things. But at the end of that time, we'd, he'd walk me down to my car in the parking lot, and then he'd hug me out there in the parking lot. And he'd always say, well, we better not do this too long or people are going to think the wrong thing, make a joke about it, because that's how men do in America. Can't get too physical too long without saying something. And uh, But the thing was, I'm not a hugger. I'm not a hugging person. I would never have initiated that. But he initiated that and taught me how to receive physical touch from another man. And that's just affirming. It's just good. It's just, you know, that doesn't mean I hug everybody when I leave them now. It's just that you learn to break down barriers that come with family. Now, some of you from a hugging family, that's great. You're like, what is he even talking about? This was a learning experience. But Jackie, she can relate. She understands. And so you have different personalities. But listen, everyone, everyone in this room, Needs a holy hug every once in a while. Everybody. There's just nobody that doesn't need it. Okay? Number four. It's a personal expression. It's a personal. It is a personal expression. Okay? And what do I mean by that? It says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, another way of saying this is it's inner. If you could say personal or interactive. Now, you, you may, that may seem obvious. But listen to me, now more than ever, now more than ever, (coughs) we live in a digital, technological, virtual reality, social media age that needs this to be emphasized and talked about. Listen to this quote by a man by the name of Peter Block that's written a lot on community. Now listen to this, This this is a worthy quote, listen. The need to create a structure of belonging grows out of the isolated nature of our lives, our institutions, and our communities. The absence of belonging is so widespread that we might say we are living in an age of isolation. I totally agree. Ironically, we talk about how small our world has become with the shrinking effect of globalization, instant sharing of information, quick technology, workplaces that operate around the globe, yet these do not necessarily create a sense of belonging. They provide connection, diverse information, and an infinite range of, of, of opinion. Boy, isn't that true. 
But all this does not create the connection from which we can become grounded and experience the sense of safety that arises from a place where we are emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically a member. Our isolation occurs because Western culture, our individualistic narrative, the inward attention of our institutions and our professions, and the message, messages from our media all fragment us. We are broken into pieces. Now, that's just true. And that may be more academic or more, you know, verbiage than to say simply this. We've never been more disconnected while being connected. Here's the bottom line. This, this kind of just rocked me. As I looked at the... And you're not going to get this if you don't look at the context of these five commands. And it's simply this. You can't give a holy kiss from a distance. Are you hearing me? You can't give a holy kiss from a distance. Now, I'll show you. I could show you this from all five, but let's just look at 1 Corinthians 16. Look at 19 through 24. So look at the context there. 19 through 24. This struck me as I looked at these five passages. Listen, notice what he says. The 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The churches of Asia, what? Greet you. Aquila and Prisca, what? Greet you. And they don't only greet you, they greet you heartily, earnestly, zealously, emotionally. They're into it. They're really greeting you, okay? With the church that is in their house. All the brethren, what? Greet you. Look. And then drop down to verse 21. This greeting is in my own hand. And he says in verse 24, My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. But notice, the command in the midst of that context is, greet one another with a what? A holy kiss. Because you can't do that from a distance. That is just radically cool. Isn't it? Yeah, it's radically cool. Because when you go through all five of those, those contexts, never once does he send a holy kiss via letter. Hey, listen, you don't get this stuff unless you study the Bible. You've got to get your face in the Bible. You've got to compare Scripture with Scripture. Listen, you cannot give one another a holy kiss via a letter, a text, a status update, or emoticon. And listen, we're getting the habit of thinking we can. And I'm not so old-fashioned or, or anti-technology. I send my daughter emoticons blowing her and my wife kisses all the time. But let me tell you, if that's all it is, it's not community. It's not love. It's not personal. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Yeah, you've got you've to actually do it. You've got to be there to do it. Listen. Community cannot be reduced to a tweet, a status update, or an emoticon. Now, literally, I'm going to give you an illustration. This is the real deal. I'm not making this up. There is such a thing as the twerch of England. Did you get that, Terry? The twerch, okay? T-W-U-R-C-H. You can join it. You don't have to be in England. You know why? It's on Twitter. 
the torch of England, is tapping into these possibilities by building a virtual community on Twitter around tweets related to the Church of England. I can't think of anything more exciting. Peter Ould, Church of England priest and twerch founder, believes the Twitter initiative is helping, quote, Anglican tweeters to feel they belong and build a social media community within the Church of England. Twerch follows over a thousand Anglican organizations and institutions, including bishops and their own clergy. But the target audience is those in the Church of England as well as those beyond it. Beyond the church, we help we beyond the church, we help to show the wider world. Now listen, here's the goal. We want to show the wider world that the Church of England is as engaged with social media as the rest of secular society, if not more so. Well, yippity doodah for you. What a wonderful goal. We want to show the world that we can build false community on a social media from a distance more than they can. Well, wonderful. As the church is empty. Listen, never once does Paul say that one local church greets another local church or person with a holy kiss. It just doesn't happen. They send their love. They send their greetings. They send them emotionally. They send them passionately. But they never send a holy kiss. Never once does Paul or Peter say that they are greeting the local church with a holy kiss by a letter. Why? Why? We must ask the question, why? And here's the answer. Because there's a level of fellowship and community that simply can't be done in any other way than in person. you got to be here. You have to be here. And you don't have to. You get to be. And if you're a believer, you desire to be. You desire to be here and to greet one another in a, in a required, but it's a way that you desire as a child of God in an inclusive, concrete, and personal way. I looked up in the dictionary of biblical imagery, holy kiss, because I thought, man, there ought to be something good there. And I wasn't disappointed. You know what they call this, this phrase, holy kiss? They call it the language of presence. Man, that, I, I just loved it. It's the language of presence. All of a sudden, our greeting one another takes on huge significance and personal impact. Amen? This isn't just something we ought to do as Christians. It's something we desire to do as believers. And it's not just personal impact. It is an act of worship. And that's number five. Number five, the fifth aspect is it's a corporate. It's a corporate expression. So we've got... It's a corporate expression. Now, this is cool, too. Every time Paul gives the command to greet one another with a holy kiss, it's in the plural. So we know it's plural because it's inclusive. Everybody's going to do it. But it's plural because he's talking to a church gathered for worship. Now, granted, I want to be honest with you, 1 Peter is addressed to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. But if you read the whole letter, by the time he gets to chapter 5, he gives, he gives, um, he gives uh, instructions for elders. So it's obvious these scattered people are gathered in local churches as they read this letter. Listen, greeting one another 
as we have seen, is very personal. But here we see it's not private. It's not just an act of personal fellowship. Well, I hugged a believer this week. I don't need to do it at church today. It's an act of public worship. One pastor put it this way. When we gather for worship with the church, I have to realize it's not about me. It's about the glory of God and the edification of one another. Though I may learn, grow, and transform as an individual in those moments, it's not happening in an individualistic context. It's happening by God's design in a community context. In the previous lessons, we saw that the kiss of affection is a kiss of kinship, fellowship, but also it's a kiss of worship. The way Paul gives this command to greet one another is uh, with a holy kiss seems to directly imply it's an act of worship, just like reading the Bible, the preaching of the gospel, praying, and taking the offering. I bet none of us have thought that way about greeting until you came here. So aren't you glad you're here today? Now let me take you to 1 Thessalonians 5 and let you see this in context. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. 25 through 27. So look in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians 5, 25 through 27. <coughs> this is the value of studying the Bible in context. Look at, I mean, this is just, this is amazing. He's giving these commands at the end of his letter, and here's what he says, verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. Okay, they're gathered for worship. Brethren, pray for us. Okay. 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. 27, I adjure you by the Lord. In other words, I, I bring down the authority of the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. Do you see? There is fellowship sandwiched between what? Corporate prayer and corporate study of the Word. And yet we, we would be aghast at a church that didn't pray publicly. Amen? And we would be aghast at a church that didn't teach and preach the Word. Amen? amen. When I say amen, you, you say amen back. Let's try that again. You would be aghast. Amen? amen? And yet, we wouldn't think of greeting in, as, a, as a corporate act of worship. So did you worship before class today? Are you going to worship in between the new life class in the worship service? Are you going to worship after the worship service? You will be if you greet one another. Amen? Isn't that cool? Yeah, Chris, that's cool. Our can our con Listen, our congregational meet and greet becomes much more than something we just do to fill time or connect with some the same people around us. It's an act of corporate worship we do in the presence of one another and in the presence of our risen Lord and in the power of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean we always have to have that time in our worship service. We have freedom in form. But it means that when we do have it, it is an act of worship. All right. Here's the sixth one. This one really got me. Number six, it's a discerning. It's a discerning expression. It's a discerning expression. Again, you only get this when you study the Bible in context. And I have yet to seen a book on the holy kiss. So you're getting this, okay? This is this is this is not unique to me. 
It's unique to here because we often don't study these things from the Bible. It's a discerning expression. It's a holy kiss. Listen, there's no doubt that greeting one another with a holy kiss was an act of friendship, of acceptance, of welcoming, and unconditional love. You get this idea. It's inclusive. But then the question becomes, is it undiscern- does it lack discernment? Do you just greet everybody? Does it mean it was given to anyone and everyone without any discernment of whether they were believers in Christ, whether they were members in good standing or not, whether they were living in sin or not? It's very popular right now in some Christian circles and it's becoming increasingly popular, popular to emphasize what I say, love, love, love. It's all about love. Love, love. Don't be a hater. Be a lover. With little, if any, truth or boundaries to that love. Instead of speaking the truth in love like Paul commands us, some are slipping into just loving without ever speaking the truth. And instead of being full of grace and truth like the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ and the risen Lord still is, some people are promoting grace without any truth. So here's the question. Is greeting one another with a holy kiss the kind of love and fellowship that's without any discernment or boundaries? And I would say to you with a loud no. And why? Because here's the radical thing. And I don't have time to take you. So I've given you the context, but we'll hit it quickly. The context of all five of these greet one another with a holy kiss also has some strong statements about sin, about unbelief, about discipline, and about doing the very opposite thing of accepting everybody. And I think that's just powerful stuff. For instance, right here in 1 Corinthians 16, if you're already there, in 1 Corinthians 16, right after telling us in verse 20 to greet one another with a holy kiss, what's he say in verse 22? It's very like, it just hits you like an, as an American Christian. You're like, whoa, we're not used to that. Welcome everybody. And by the way, if anyone doesn't love the Lord, he's to go to hell. And when's the last time you heard that kind of talk? See, we don't, we're not used to that now. You don't talk about hell. You don't even believe in hell. It's all love, 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 love. And he says, yeah, kiss on one another in a holy way. And by the way, if you don't believe in Jesus, the most loving thing we can tell you right now is that you're going to hell. I would say that is a discerning expression. Now, there's a lot more I could say to you, but I I will say this because I thought about... (coughs) Listen, if you have no desire within you to love on God's people, I would question whether you have God's love in you. That's what he's trying to say. You need to examine your heart to see if the love of the Lord is in you. Because if the love for the Lord is in you, then the love for his people comes out of you. And I was thinking about the three-foot rule. Because, you know, as soon as you say rule, I mean, I knew that when I said it. And I, I, but, you know, there are commands, okay? So don't get all gracie on me and think that there's no commands in Scripture. There can be a three-foot rule, but it was so hilarious. I don't know who it was. They were joking. It's not. It's, they weren't being bad. So they walked by me, and then after class, said, well, I'm four feet away from you. I don't have to say hi to you. See, that's what legalism does, see? That's what legalism does. But listen, this really shouldn't be a three-foot rule. This is a three-foot reminder of what you should desire to do out of love for the Lord. Amen? When I say amen, you say amen back, or yeah, or whatever you want to say, but grunt, but just verbally interact, okay? 
Okay? Okay, we're getting better. We're getting better. You'll learn. You'll learn. Now, Romans 16. 16 through 18. I, go to this. We can't go to all five, but at least go to this one because you'll get the idea. There's a whole lesson you can teach on each of these passages regarding fellowship with boundaries. Romans 16, 16 through 18. This is probably the most radical along with the 1 Corinthians 16 one. <coughs> greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches greet you. Wow, we're all, it's a love fest. It's a love fest. Look at verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned and turn away from them. Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to be accepting of everybody. We are. Those that love the Lord align themselves with the Lord's teaching. But those that teach false doctrine, those that try to divide a church by false doctrine and false living, we're to turn away from. This is a discerning expression. I accept you as you are, but I love you too much to lo leave you that way. And the most loving thing I can say to someone teaching false doctrine is, that's unbiblical. And the most loving thing I can say to someone living in sin is stop that. Stop it because you have grace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I can't take you through the other passages. But the other passages talk about that grace. That God is the one who's going to sanctify us. God is the one that finishes what He starts. And so as, listen, as we greet one another, we are to be discerned of what is their need. Yes, I greet you, but I sense you're sad. May I lift you up? As I greet you, I sense that, that your countenance is hard, or I know that there's sin in your life, so I greet you, but I also say to you, look, turn away. Finish what you started. God, and, and, and I sense that you're struggling, and you think you have to do it on your own, and I point you to the God who will sanctify and complete us and finish what He has started. I wish I could take you through all the context of these, of these five greetings. In fact, that would be a great study for you for the rest of the week. Take one context and look at that and see how there's encouragement from the Lord. You see, here's the point under discerning. Fellowship is never an end in itself. It's always a means to an end. Listen to me. Fellowship, we don't have grow groups as an end in themselves. That's why we call them grow groups. The group is meant to grow. You're meant to grow. The group is meant to grow. Listen, if, if you're just going to groups and you're just coming to church and you're just staying, stagnating and staying right where you're at, <coughs> that's not the point of fellowship. In fact, tonight in all of our groups, we're going to talk about the purpose of our groups and how we are to grow. Well, there's so much more I could say under that. But let me come to the final characteristic. And this is where we mostly begin. It's a cultural expression. It's a cultural expression. The kiss part is cultural. But I hope that you never again look at this phrase, greet one another, this command, greet one another with a holy kiss, and just think that's a cultural thing because you got all that. you got all that. Now, it is a cultural thing. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Do we have to greet one another with a kiss on the cheek? Personally, I hope not, but I'm willing to do it if that's what we're supposed to do. 
Is it the Latino embrasso? You know, the, the oh man, you just come and everybody's hugging and squeezing and and uh, lifting you up. Is it the American handshake? Is that sufficient? Does it need to be a man hug, a chest bump, a side hug for the opposite sex? What do you think, Nikki? Are you ready? Yeah, that'd be a little scary, wouldn't it? The f- so here, let me give you two principles. Two principles. The form will vary from culture to culture, but it will also slowly transform the culture or the cultural ways we greet one another. So the form will vary. There's freedom in form from culture to culture. Middle Eastern, kisses on the cheek. Still do it today. Western, not so much. Japan, not so much. In fact, one missionary said, Touch, I mean, kiss, I mean, we, we just, we don't, we just look at, you know, stand, you know, greet, bow, you know, that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. The culture doesn't dictate how we greet one another. The scriptures do. And so while it can be culturally relevant, we don't want to do stuff so weird. We do drive lost people in the cultural way. But at the same time, we don't let what unsaved people think of our meet and greet time dictate what we do if we think it's an act of worship. Amen? And if we think we need that expression. Rather, we transform the way the culture grows. Alright? So, let me give you just a quick lesson on this. First of all, biblically, there is no timeless reasons attached to the entire command. The kiss is cultural. The greeting is universal and timeless. It's required. The holiness is eternal and limits how you put this in practice. So you get with me? So it says greet, universal. Believers do this as an act of worship. Kiss, cultural. Changes in form. Holy, that's how you figure out how to do it. So, if, if for, and we're getting this way, if you're in a culture where the way you greet one another is you hop in the sack and have sex or you make out with one another, we don't do that, even if it's culturally relevant. Why? Because it's not holy. Are you, are you with me? Because <clears throat> we're already that way. Our kids are being raised in a culture where men, boys and girls are giving full body hugs and greeting to one another. That ain't healthy. Not when hormones are raised. It's not healthy anytime. So that's what I mean. Side hugs. I'm talking, uh, you know, there's just all, there are holy ways and holy means of touching. Now, historically, the church quickly adapted to cultural equivalence of the holy kiss. It didn't take long <coughs> for the church, after, after the apostles died, to begin to limit the holy kiss to just men to men, women to women. And they did that because, one, the outside culture was accusing them of sexual promiscuity. And two, it was leading to some sexual promiscuity. So, uh, in Romania, the, bab- the babushkas, the, the women with the, the older women with the, the head coverings, they'd always grab me, kiss me on each cheek. In Romania, the greeting is pace. It means peace. That's how you greet one another. Roger Smith was telling me that in Africa they say, peace be with you. And then the women still kiss on cheek to cheek, and the men do the chest bump or the side hug. So there's, you know, there's all sorts of ways uh, that you... In fact, uh, Emmanuel was telling me in Nigeria that children greet their parents by laying flat out on their... On, flat out, prostate. 
I'm trying to incorporate that. It's not going too well. She also said the, 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 the kids would come and kneel before their parents and talk to them. Todd, there's just, there's just there's something, something good about that. What I'm saying is there's all these different ways. But culturally in the States, listen, culturally, we're so high-tech and low-touch, we need to restore a culturally suitable equivalent. And there's some ways you can do that. You can, a firm handshake, a warm hello, a man hug, a side hug for the opposite sex, a hand on the shoulder, a welcoming smile. Titles of respect in terms of family are positive. Brother, sister, uh, using titles, using Mr. and I mean, I'm not formalizing that. I'm just saying there's ways to put value and greet that in our culture are all going away. So we're not trying to be weird. We're just trying to be worshipful and putting value on one another. Now, here's the last point. The ability to greet one another in the way God desires will meet our deepest needs for community, or the ability to greet in a way God desires and will meet our deepest needs uh, needs for community transcends culture. And it comes down to us from God Himself. It transcends culture. And I've already hit this verse in a previous lesson, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. In 2 Corinthians 13, he says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. And then immediately he says this, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I think he's teaching us a profound lesson. You don't do this because it's your personality. You don't do this because you're a morning person. You don't do this because of any other reason except God has transformed your heart. You've received the grace of God's Son. Therefore, you have the power and desire to do it. You have received the love of God, and therefore you love the children of God. You have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, His power enables you to overcome your morning grumpiness, your introversion, and it tames down your extroversion. Are you with me? Some of you need to tame down. Not many in this room. Some of you need, some extroverts need to calm down in order to put value on others. Are you with me? (laughs) All right. Hey, here's the bottom line. We need to find culturally significant ways to always abound in greeting one another. I hope you're walking out of here this morning energized, motivated, and your mind has been renewed on the value of greeting one another. Amen? Amen. Let me try that one more time. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We'd be messed up. Messed up beyond belief without the clear teaching of Your Word. Thank You for a church that values the study, the teaching, the preaching of Your Word. But Lord, we need to submit to it now. And out of the desires of our hearts that you've transformed, I pray that we will grow in greeting one another. In a world where kids and young people are more confused about gender identity, where peer pressure pushes them towards sexual experimentation with homosexuality and lesbianism, where singles, there's more singles living alone than ever before. Lord Jesus, we need, by the love of God, by your grace and by the power of the Spirit, to show 
how to physically, emotionally welcome people into the body of Christ. May it be, may it be for your glory. Amen.